Charles Finney was one of the evangelists during the second great awakening. He's actually regarded by some as one of the greatest revival evangelists since the days of the apostles. In fact, it was said of Charles Finney that when he preached, his words were, weren't vehement, fierce, or noisy. They were solemn, massive, weighty, cutting, piercing, and some even said sharper than a two-edged sword. Say his manner of preaching was likened to another preacher of his time of whom it was said that he scarce ever preached a sermon, but some or other of his congregation were struck with great distress and cried out in agony, what shall I do to be saved? Finney was known as a revivalist. He spoke, he lectured, he preached often concerning the need for revival. Here's what Charles Finney said about revival. He said, revival is the renewal of the first love of Christians resulting in the awakening and conversion of sinners to God. He said, revival always includes conviction of sin on the part of the church. He said, it's where the fountains of sin need to be broken up. In a true revival, Christians are always brought under such conviction. He said, in a genuine revival, there are always deep convictions of sin and Christians will be brought to repentance. Revival is nothing more than a new beginning of obedience to God. Just as in the case of a converted sinner, he says, the first step is a deep repentance, a breaking down of the heart, a getting down into the dust in deep humility before God and forsaking sin. He said a revival breaks the power of the world and sin over Christians. He said it brings them to such a place where they get a fresh impulse toward heaven. They acquire a new foretaste of heaven and new desires for union with God. He said the charm of the world is broken and the power of sin overcome. Finney ended one of his sermons on revival with these questions to his hearers. He said, why do you come to hear me lecture on revival? Will you follow the instructions I give you from the word of God? Will you put them into practice in your own lives? Or will you spend time learning about revival, but do nothing about it? Hear me, every generation must make a decision for themselves. Study God, to learn about God, just to hear about God, or actually to do what God is calling them to do. And I want to talk to you for the next few minutes on destinies defining choice. Destinies defining choice. Second Kings chapter 22, beginning verse 11. You can remain seated. I'm just going to walk through this passage with you tonight. 
But we enter this passage in 2 Kings when something incredible has just happened. King Josiah, now 18 years of age, has just called for the cleaning out of the temple and some reforms to be made in Israel. And all of a sudden, they come across in this temple. Somebody steps and, and uh, falls over and stumbles over a, a ancient book. And they bring this book to Josiah and they begin to read it. The Bible says, verse 11, when King Josiah heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Akbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the secretary and Isaiah the king's servant. He said, I want you to take this and I want you to go inquire the Lord for me and all the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that's been found. He said, because as I'm reading it, I find out that the great is the wrath of the Lord that's kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. Verse 14 says, So they all went to hold the prophetess and talked with her. Verse 15, And she told them, Thus says the Lord, Tell the man who sent you to me, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants. All the words of the book that the king of Judah has read, because they've forsaken me, and they made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place and it will not be quenched. Don't worry, this isn't going to be too heavy. <laughs> but to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, tell him this, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words you've heard, because your heart was penitent, and you humbled yourself before the Lord. When you heard. Everybody say when you heard. When you heard how I spoke against this place. And against its inhabitants. That they should become a desolation. A curse. And you tore your clothes. And you wept before me. Tell him. I have heard you. Declares the Lord. Therefore I will gather you to your fathers. You shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes will not see the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought that word back to the king. Eighteen years of age. Josiah took the throne around age eight. Ten years later, he hears the word of God for the very first time in his life. How many here 18 or older? How many have heard the word of God more than one time in your life? Josiah heard God's word for the first time at 18 years of age. Never heard God's word read before. Never heard somebody stand and open that ancient book and declare, thus says the Lord. He had only heard it the very first time he heard the word of God. Let me ask you, how often have we heard the Bible read? How often have we read it ourselves? How many messages have we heard preached? How many sermons have we heard delivered? How many Sunday school lessons have we heard taught about the word of God? And yet Josiah heard it one time. And it shook him to his very core. 
one time at 18 years of age and the first line that was read out of that book something came over that young king and his body began to tremble and his heart began to melt because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword He wept. He tore his clothes. Sign of mourning, grief, guilt, sorrow. Josiah didn't, oh, would you reread that for a minute? I might have missed something. No, the very first time Josiah heard the word of God, it shook him. It challenged him. It stirred him. Oh God, how many times have I heard your word and I sit there and play it on repeat in my mind and I'm not even paying attention. I'm doing something that wouldn't even probably be pleasing to you. How many times have I heard God's word? Does it still shake me? Does it still stir me? Does it still move me? Does it still challenge me? Before I tell you what happened because of this, Let's give you a brief picture of what Judah looked like at this time. The place where Josiah was king. I don't have time to, to tell you everything that was happening. Just pulled out a few things. This was what his city looked like. 18 years of age. Inside the house of the Lord. Inside the temple. All over. There were vessels that had been made. To worship Baal. And all the hosts. The stars. The sun. The moon. All the planets. In the house of the Lord. There were male cult prostitutes. Waiting. For somebody. To come and give them money. Because of this. Prostitution. Ritual. Prostitution. Inside the house of God. Pagan altars. That had been erected by former King Manasseh sat in the two courts of the house of God. In the high places, these were places originally set up to be places of worship. You see, God had said, come to the temple, come to the house of God to worship. But these other kings in the past said, you know what? We don't have to do that. I want to make people drive all that way and get on their horses and drive all that. We'll set up places out there on the hills, out there in the plains for them to come and they can worship God however they want to. But these high places became corrupted, became filled with occultic practices. Priests were offering sacrifices on these high places to Baal and to the sun and to the moon and to the stars and all the hosts of heaven. There were high places set up at the gates at the entrance end of all the cities so pagan worship and ungodly things could be seen and accessed by everyone that walked in the city. Even great king Solomon had set up an altar on one of the high places we now know as the Mount of Olives. But at that point in time, it had become so defiled, they knew it as the Mount of Corruption. Altars to a god called Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and the god of the Ammonites. There were these things set up to worship other gods. There were mediums and psychics. Acceptable, uh, accessible. Those who talked to the dead. Inquiring for people to seek wisdom and understanding. 
And not only was the house of God desecrated, not only were the high places desecrated, not only were these mediums and psychics all over the place, people running to them trying to find out what their future was, but the Bible says numerous household gods and idols. This was the climate into which Josiah was born and ultimately took the throne at eight years of age. You think our world's bad. And I know, just take a little side thought, I know there's some of you, you come from homes that aren't the greatest of situations. And you might feel like you wake up in places and you go back home after great apostolic services and you go back to places that might not be worshiping and believing God. There might be practices, there might be things set up that are pulling at you and, and tearing at you and trying to destroy you. We live in a day and an age that if it, if it can get to this point to where the house of God becomes defiled and there are idols set up and there are God, other gods other than the one God worshiped, don't tell me it cannot happen this day and age. As evil as this day is, we, we've got to there's got to be something that, that happens inside of our lives just like Josiah because in the midst of all of that evil when Josiah heard the word of God for the first time something shook him and said there's got to be some changes made When you hear God's word preach, young people, does it stir you to go back to your high school? When you hear God's word preach, does it stir you to go talk to your friends? When you hear God's word preach, does it shake you to your core and say, God, this world needs revival. This world needs a touch of your spirit. Not only did he tear his clothes, not only did he, did he put on sackcloth, the king sent, the Bible says, when he got word back from the prophetess, he sent for all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And they all met at the house of God. And the Bible says in 2 Kings 23 verse 2, Josiah read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. Picture this scene in your mind. All the evil surrounding. The, to live this way was not accepted in their culture. Even though they had a history of it. To live for God was not accepted even though their nation had been founded on principles. Godly principles. It was not acceptable to do that. Their, their, their churches had been desecrated. Their, their every, everything that had anything to do with God had been, had been defiled. It, it was evil. It, there, was, it, there were things running rampant that were not really what, what needed to be. So this was not an easy thing. It was not acceptable. So Josiah pulls everybody together. The king takes control. And he reads them the words of the book of the law. And after he read them, every word the Bible says of the book of the covenant, verse 3 says the king went over and he stood by a pillar in the house of God. That house that had been built to the one true God. That house that had been built to the God of creation. That house that had been erected to be a name and a place where the one name of the one true God could be worshipped. And he stood by that pillar and the Bible says Josiah 18 don't tell me you got to be older to make a commitment don't tell me
Some of you got to be of old age to finally make up your mind to live for God. Josiah 18, in the midst of a nation who was walking away from God, he said there's something about the word of God. There's something about this truth. I've got to stand up and be counted. The Bible says he made a covenant between God to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments, and to perform all the words of this covenant. And the Bible says all the people joined in the covenant. Revival service happened. Josiah, all he did was read the word. He didn't know what it was to preach. He didn't know what it was to deliver a message like we did. He, he just read the word. And it stirred the people. And the people said, yes, king. That's what we've been wanting. There's a hunger, there's a desire in our hearts. We want to do what's right. I believe there's people. When you begin to stand up for what's right, I believe there's people in this world. They'll be saying, yeah, you know what? That's what I've been wanting. That's exactly what I've been desiring. All the people joined him. The altar call was given. Final song was played. And Josiah got up from the altar service. He and his friends went out to eat feeling good about the commitment he'd made that service. Continued to live the way he'd always lived. But at least he made some good promises to God. He can go watch the recorded live stream from time to time whenever he starts to struggle again. No, that's not exactly what happened. Josiah didn't hear the great preaching, hear the word of God read, and then just go on with life as usual after praying in the altar until he felt better. He decided this world has gone crazy. This world has gone evil. And there's a God who's demanding believers, demanding those who understand and know who he is, demanding them to make a covenant and to stand up and be counted. You know what Josiah did? He didn't go out to eat with his friends and then just go on with life as usual. He went to the house of God. He pulled out all those vessels that were to worship Baal and all the heavenly bodies. He took them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and he burned them to ashes. And he removed the priests from their duties. And the Asherah pole that was in the house of the Lord, this pole that was there, it was some type of tree that was used to worship false gods. The Bible says this, this, was, how, this was how adamant Josiah was about getting rid of this stuff. He said he removed the Asherah a pole, he burned it and then he beat it to dust not just good enough to remove it not just good enough to burn it pick up the ashes and say this is never coming back in my life again somebody here tonight some young person you need to make up in your mind I gotta get rid of that out of my life and I'm not just gonna set it aside I'm gonna burn it and I'm gonna pick up the ashes so it never comes back in my life again somebody lift your hands to heaven right now make a commitment to him lift your voice beat it to dust I'm not going to let that rule in my life anymore. I don't want that in my life anymore. I don't want that in my house anymore. I don't want that around me anymore. I want to please God. He burned the house. All the male prostitutes just went to their homes and burned them. He tore down the high place at the gates of the city. Nobody's going to walk into our city and see all this defilement anymore. We're going to get rid of it. 
He pulled down, burned, reduced the dust, the altars at the high places. He removed all the shrines. He got rid of all the mediums, all the psychics, all the household gods, all the idols, all the abominations. The word of God sparked a revival. When I talk about revival... I'm just not talking about dancing along the front, rejoicing, shouting high. I'm talking about a renewing, a tearing down, a reform. There's got to be a reform happen in our hearts. We got to tear some things down. We got to beat some things to dust. We got to get rid of some things in our life. I'm trying to help you young people because I know your heart. You want to live for God. You want to serve God. You know what God desires and you want to do it so badly. But there's so many things in your life right now that have you so bound and so distracted that you can't get free. I cut you'll listen to me for a few more minutes and you open your heart to the spirit. There's going to be a deliverance coming in this house. God's going to set you free because God has something powerful to do in your life. Hear me. This is what it all comes down to. How you choose to answer these three questions. What do you really believe? Not what you say you believe. What do you really believe? That's the first question. I want you to think about. Second question. What do you truly desire? Where are your desires placed? What is your heart truly after? What do you believe? What do you desire? And what are you going to do with it? This world has captured our passion. This world has captured our affection. What's the last thing you streamed? I'm not going to try to be harsh tonight. Read my spirit, please. God's reaching for somebody. You are miserable and you want to live for God. But you're miserable. Let me tell you why you're miserable. Nobody. Some people seem to never get done and do what God's called them to do. Because what they really believe and what they truly desire are at opposite ends of the spectrum. Oh, I believe in God. I believe you. I believe you really loves me. They sing it. Thank you, Lord. You really love me. My heart, my passions. I want to be with her. And I want to watch that. And I want to be accepted by my peers. That's where my heart's after. My heart wants this. I, I know I, I say I believe that. But when you leave me all alone. And when you walk out on me. And when the service lights shut down. And when I'm all by myself in my room. Let me show you where my passions lie. And so you're waffling back and forth. And you are miserable. Revival never happens for some people because they can't get their passions and their beliefs to line up together. So let me tell you what usually happens. It's a lot easier to change our beliefs than it is to change our actions. And so people 
wrestle with this what do I believe and where is my heart at and they get tired of wrestling with it and they come down and they pray through every Sunday Pastor Walt and they, they pray back through to God I'm going to make up my mind but the moment they walk out their beliefs are left in the corner and their passions rise up and take over and eventually they're done they, they get tired of fighting in the altar they get tired of praying through every Sunday and then living like the world for six days that eventually they say you know what maybe I don't really believe that I'm just going to give in to my passions. I'm trying to help somebody tonight. I'm trying, I wish somebody when I was your age would have preached to me like this and told me this because it might have saved me a lot of heartache here tonight if you will open up your spirit and open up your heart and if you will get honest with God and tell him, Lord, I want to set my affection on things above and not on things of the earth. I want my heart to be after you. I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you will put that in your spirit, if you will seek that, Somebody lift your hand to heaven right now. God is reaching for somebody. Oh God. Rescue us. Deliver us. Forgive us, oh God. Forgive us, oh God. That's what happened in Josiah's day. It was this mass appeal. Forgive us, oh God. We, we, we did not know how far we had traveled. We did not know how far we had veered off course. Oh God, forgive us. Made all these changes. Did all this stuff. Tremendous revival took place under Josiah. Could you give me just a few more minutes? That's not the end of the story. Years later, war broke out. Josiah went to war, and Josiah was killed. And Jehoahaz, 23 years old, the son of Josiah, was put on the throne to reign. And 2 Kings 23, verse 32. Hear me. Just a few years later, verse 32. And Jehoahaz did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. After all the reforms, after all the praying through in the, in the altars, after all the preaching, after all the, thus says the Lord, after the powerful revival that took place in Josiah's generation, Jehoahaz took the throne. And the people fell back to a backslidden state far away from God. You know what? This sort of thing, though, happens all too often. Because every generation must choose for themselves. Josiah and his generation saw a mighty revival. Outpouring the power of God. The temple was cleaned out. True, pure worship restored. God's power and presence visit them yeah. once again. But one generation later, 
And it was all back until I get used to it. Generations before this, Joshua stood before the people and he planned with them to choose for themselves. He said, choose this day who you will serve. You can choose the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. Joshua squared back his shoulders and said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Because Joshua realized every generation must choose for themselves. Every generation has got to make up their mind for themselves. Every generation must choose revival for themselves. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. Everyone's been given the promise but not everyone makes the promise their own. Hear me tonight. You can't live off of grandpa's promise or mama's promise. Every generation must choose it for themselves. You can't live off your pastor's promise. You can't live off the youth pastor's promise. You gotta find an altar and you gotta make up in your mind. This is mine. This is mine. I'm making up my mind tonight. This is mine. Every generation must choose for themselves to uproot to tear down some things, to rebuild some things, and we've got to make up in our mind. Not only must every generation choose revival, hear me, every generation, give me a few more minutes, every generation must choose truth for themselves. For Abraham, it started at the call out of Ur when he was sent to look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker was God. And yes, though Abraham trusted God from that moment of that first call, it was not really until Mount Moriah that Abraham truly caught a glimpse of who God really was. It was at Moriah when he said when he about sacrificed his son that he became convinced of the truth of who God really is. But for his son Isaac, it wasn't until he camped in the valley of Gerar. And it wasn't until he redug the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham. And it wasn't until he went from there to Beersheba that the Lord appeared to him and said, Isaac, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. And I will bless you. And I will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. Because every generation must choose truth for themselves. For Isaac, no longer would he do this because daddy did it. But Isaac chose it for himself. And then Jacob, he needed several encounters. Truly it all started for Jacob at Peniel. Because after that all night wrestling match. Jacob realized he had seen God for himself face to face. The Lord changed his name. And that encounter left him walking with a visible limp. His walk would never be the same after that night. Yes, he needed Bethel. He needed a few more instances. But Jacob finally made up his mind for himself.
No longer would Jacob do it because his grandpa did it. And no longer would Jacob do it because his daddy did it. Because at Peniel and at Bethel, Jacob chose. This is mine. Because every generation must choose truth for themselves. And this is what I want to leave you with. Every generation must not only choose revival for themselves. And every generation must not only choose truth for themselves, but every generation must have its own spiritual leaders. I know I'm talking to you tonight. I know some of you are still in high school. I know some of you just started college. You, a spiritual leader, every generation needs its spiritual leaders. Josiah's generation needed Josiah to stand up and say, we're not living this way anymore. Samuel's generation needed him to stand up and say, we're not living this way anymore. 2 Timothy 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Verse 3, I thank God and my serve for my forefathers. That without ceasing, I remember, make remembrance of thee in my prayers great night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. And here's what he wrote to Timothy, the young pastor, the young man. This is what Paul wrote to him. He said, when I remember that unfeigned, that not false, that not fake faith, which dwelt first in your grandma and in your mother, and I'm also persuaded it's in you. Also, before I move further, some of you don't have a grandma that was in this faith. Some of you don't have a mama that was in this faith. You're not disqualified. That's right. Because that faith not only gets passed down through generations of blood, this faith gets passed down through generations in the church who may not be related but who know how to pass down a faith and pass down a commitment and pass down a desire and pass down this is how we worship and pass down this is how we pray and this is how we seek God and this is how we get a hold of God in church and this is how we witness and this is how we love people and this is how we serve people you might not have a grandma in the faith or a mama in the faith or a grandpa in the faith or a daddy in the faith but you've got all kinds of people around you who have blazed the trail ahead of you and you can make it that same faith that was in them is in you also stand with me if you would said Timothy that faith that's in you verse 6 I want you to remember this Hear me. Don't, don't tune me out now. I know we're drawn to a close. Don't tune me out. God's about to do something in somebody's life right now. He said, I want you to remember that. Don't forget that. And stir up the gift of God. Which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Now Paul was reminding him. Remember there was a time in that service, Timothy, where I came and I laid my hands on you. And I put my hands on I prayed God's favor and God's calling and God's will over your life. He said, I want you to remember that, Timothy. Stir it up. The New Living Translation says, fan into flame. 
the spiritual gift God gave you. It's not enough to have it available to you or promised to you. Hear me, young person, it's not enough for you should come and sit on a pew and hear preaching and watch worship. But you have to stir what's inside of you. Stir it up. Fan it into flame. Timothy, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. He's not talking here about that trepidation, that fear that we worry about things happen to us. That was not, that's not what Paul was talking about. Paul was trying to tell Timothy, stir this up. And don't be timid. God's not giving you a coward spirit, Timothy. God's not giving you a weak backbone, Timothy. God's not giving you something when you cower and you worry what they're going to think about you, Timothy. God's not giving you a cowardly spirit, Timothy. He's giving you the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So stir up the gift. He's giving you power. That word means ability or miracle power. I don't care if you're 15. If you're full of the Holy Ghost. God has gifted you with spiritual gifts. And in your hands, miracle working power. So Timothy, don't walk through your high school with a cowardice spirit. Don't be timid, Timothy. Timothy, your generation needs spiritual leaders. Your spiritual leadership in particular. Timothy, your church needs your spiritual leadership. Timothy, your generation needs your spiritual leadership. Your youth group needs your spiritual leadership. Your school needs your spiritual leadership. I believe God is stirring the church in this day. Because he's got gifts. He has implanted in each spirit-filled believer. And he's waiting for some young man and some young woman to square back their shoulders and realize, I was not made to be a coward. I was not made to be timid. I've been given power from on high. And I believe there's coming the greatest of I say, Lord, let it start right here and right now. Let it start in me. Let it start in me. I want you to bow your head to me right now. If you would, close your eyes. Don't worry about who's standing next to you. The Holy Ghost is reaching for somebody. The Holy Ghost is pulling for somebody right now. As I've been preaching, some of you, there's been excuses running through your mind. Oh, but you don't really know my situation. You don't really understand my past and my history. You really don't know where my mom and dad are. I don't even know where my mom and dad are. You don't understand, preacher. You don't know what's going on. You're exactly right, I don't. But your heavenly father sent me here to tell you exactly what I told you. He believes in you. He's calling you. He's reaching 
I wish there would be some young people here tonight who would square back their shoulders, make up in their mind, there's some things I got to get rid of in my life. There's some Asherah poles I got to tear down, throw in the fire of the Holy Ghost, and dance it under my feet until the dust has been beaten out of it. I believe, I wish there were some young people here tonight who would make up in their mind, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm not going to be intimidated anymore. I'm not going to let the enemy intimidate me. I'm not going to let my school intimidate me. I'm going to let my family intimidate me. I'm going to stand up for God and I'm going to reach and do exactly what God has called me to do. I wonder if there is somebody here today that you'd come to this altar and bring in one hand your belief and one hand your passions and would you bring them to God and would you give them to Him and would you let Him transform you and change you and turn you around and put you on the right path? Would you turn your life over to Him and let Him stir you and make you into the man that God has called you to be? Make you into the woman of God he's called you to be I want to open this altar right now I want somebody to come running come on somebody come find themselves a place kneel or stand it don't matter I want you to lift up your voice somebody make a commitment come on Josiah I know it's wicked around you but you got to make up in your mind you got to decide right now and decide nothing else it's going to turn you to the left or to the right you know which direction you got to head 